Hi, my name is James Browning. I'm here to learn how to be a small group leader. I've been a small group leader in the past, but a few months ago, I joined the Small Group Network. When I did, I had access to some of the most successful small group people across the country, and I've learned a lot. So I wanted to share what I've learned straight from those people to you. So whether you're a new small group leader, whether you are considering becoming a small group leader, or whether you're like me and you've been a small group leader for a while, but just want to learn a little bit more, this is for you, how to be a small group leader. Joining me on this episode of How to Be a Small Group Leader is John Laster. John is one of the first people that I met after joining the Small Group Network. He loves people, he loves groups, and he loves barbecue. John and I first met in the Nashville area, where I found out that John not only works with the group's ministry at his church, but he's bivocational. He's also a real estate agent. So for those of you who are thinking, man, groups is a lot of work, it takes a lot of time, John is the guy that you want to hear because he has to make time for raising a family, uh, being a part of a newer church in the Spring Hill area of Tennessee, and his full-time day job. Without further ado, my friend, John Laster. I'm John Laster, the Connections Pastor at Christ Chapel here in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Hey, John, welcome to uh, the How to Be a Small Group Leader podcast. John, I know you've got a lot going on, and you recently got a new title at your job. Congratulations on the promotion. Thank you. uh, So why don't you go ahead and guide us through how to be a small group leader? So to be a small group leader in uh, in our church, the way we design things is we try to make it as simple as possible and less frightening as possible. Because a lot of times with people who they might be natural born leaders, but they may not see that or feel it. They can tend to shrink back when they feel like uh, they're being pushed in a direction to do something they don't feel like they're supposed to do, which is not always correct. So the, the two big requirements and things that we say that a small group leader does is one is truly lead a small group of people, whether that's whether that's three people, four people, six people, 15 people, whatever that looks like in your church. And then for their group, their job is to lead that. And their job is to care for those people that are in their group. We, we make a big push and we've seen this, you know, our church is five years old. So we've grown a lot over the last five years. It's just how we do things, methods. And uh, just in numbers, well, we've seen different changes happen, but we try to encourage our leaders to to pastor the people that are in their group. Take that as their their team, their family, however they want to look at that, and truly lead those people. Not just on Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, whenever their small group uh, meets, but to you know, chat. We challenge them to have lunch with them every couple of weeks through a semester. Truly connect and lead the people that are in your groups. When you're reaching someone who's not sure if they're a leader or if they're, you know, all of this is new, what are some of the biggest hurdles that you see most frequently? Is it the administrative side of things? Is it building community or or learning that that kind of pastoral role? I think it's learning the pastoral role in in people sometimes don't understand that they're designed to lead. I personally believe if you're a, if you're a disciple of Christ, you, there's a natural born 
uh, or a natural given leadership in, instinct within you. And some of that may be to lead just simply three or four people. Some may be a, a 20,000 person congregation, but I like uh, Pastor Steve Gladen's approach. Uh, it's hard to give him credit. We don't want to do that any more than we absolutely have to. But if you have three friends, you can lead a small group. So actually this semester we have taken a, a, a new fun approach that has uh it has exceeded our expectations where my wife and I, as the leaders of it, my wife is my partner in all this. So I don't do this just myself. She's also in the role with me. And we have started what's called a dinner group. And we thought, well, people are busy. They have schedules, this and that. Sometimes it scares them to get into a group in a room, a living with five people, and they feel like they have to bear their soul or they don't want to bear their soul. They're hiding things. So there's different things that, uh, that people have these hurdles in their head. So anyway, what we've done is created a large dinner group that we had a massive turnout for. And what that has led us to is for next semester, we're going to be approaching specific people in our church. Our congregation is approximately 300 people in this group alone. We had 42 people sign up for a dinner group. So I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but that's a, a, I can't do the math off the top of my head, but I know that is a certain percentage of some sort. <laughs> and it's, it's a fun percentage of some sort. But anyway, we have, we're going to use that as a platform and help catapult and push other folks into leading a dinner group to where you, all you have to do is choose a restaurant for, for six, seven, eight people, however that, whatever your capacity is. And uh, that's how you lead your group. You just simply start a conversation, pull the pin and let it go. Man, that's a great idea. Do you mind if I ask what you all had for dinner with 40 people? Well, we are in the South. So I will say we went to a small, a small Southern cuisine restaurant here in Spring Hill called Mockingbird. And the greatest uh, concern that my wife and I had is when we seen these, this amount of people signing up, we're like, good Lord, this is a a fifth of our church or or sixth of our church, what are we going to do? Because right now with the pandemic, I don't know how it is in Southern California, but here, a lot of restaurants are running at half capacity or less because they don't have servers or because people are sick or they're not working or what have you. So we started calling around. I think I spent three hours one afternoon calling restaurants around the general area within so many miles to say, pleading on my knees for help. Hey, I have 40 people that are wanting to get together for dinner. Can you facilitate us? And we found the perfect spot here where the food was, it was, it was solid. It was good. They took good care of us. We had a large room with two tables at, and we had 12 people at each and it just worked out well. Now pulling that off a second time is going to be a little bit of a challenge, but I'll let you know after October 30th, what that looked like. Yeah, let me know how that future pancake dinner goes. (laughs) (laughs) So it actually, too, to to go with that, it it brought up a a question between a couple of us. Should we just open one of us open up our home? I know it sounds crazy being a small group person opening up your home, but opening up your home and having someone cater in food for 20, 30, 40 people, whoever, whoever signs up to come. And uh, that, that creates another whole nother environment than a restaurant, but we felt like a, a restaurant was great for newer people to our church, people that, you know, actually, in all fairness, two of the couples we sat with had just moved from Southern California within the last 60 days. So it was kind of cool. I got to share a couple of the jokes about, you know, like uh, Steve had joked it about in a, in a thread I had on the Small Group Network uh, Facebook page about letting them know that good taste in their food is butter. So we had to explain to them that that's butter and that's good for you on some levels. And not good for you on some levels. 
<laughs> I appreciate the fact that you really kind of kept it open there to just how good or not good it was. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you decide. <laughs> yeah, that's a very postmodern approach to butter. Sure. Uh, but one of the things that might be intimidating to people at first is the administrative side of things. Do you have, sure. What are your tips or advice for administrating a small group, which apparently involves catering a lot now? <laughs> so when you we ha- we offer several different kinds of groups. We probably have three or four different categories. Actually, probably five or six different categories that we have now at our church. When you think that doesn't sound like a lot, but when you have three hundred people, that that divides it down to a lot smaller number. So we have a, uh, we use software or a site called church center that I know a lot of people are familiar with as part of planning center. And we use their groups version within that website. And we, we help facilitate at the size of our church. We're at my wife and I, Tina and I can help facilitate some of those help set their groups up. In fact, when the semester launches, we go ahead and set that up with all their information. We have a document that they fill out with when they're meeting, where they're meeting, um, if child care is provided, those kind of, you know, 10 basic questions. And we set their group up for them and show them how to manage that. that. So the probably the hardest part or most challenging part of an admin side of running a group with the way we do things is just learning how to navigate a basic website. So we try to make that as easy as possible. Kind of back to the pastoral side of things. Uh, I was speaking with a group leader recently. And they're explaining that their group is going through a particularly challenging time. There's one couple in their group that is having some marital issues. Uh, Another person in their group is struggling with their faith. And then someone else in their group recently lost their job. Where do you think uh, someone like that could turn to if they're looking for how to navigate these challenges? And on top of that, the person who is kind of struggling with their faith has been not antagonistic, but really kind of controlling the conversation, kind of spinning their wheels, I said. Sure, which which can, I mean, in full transparency, that can lead down a uh, an unhealthy path for everyone else in the small group because there might be a couple or two there. They're just there to party. They want to shake hands, meet people, eat some good old barbecue, or as you guys do out there, tacos, what have you, in Southern California. Um so that definitely can derail the whole group with, without a question. I think I personally believe in the, but I think I've heard Pastor Rick Warren say several times, the ministry of presence and just listening to those people. And then I think after one time you have a side conversation with them uh, that's not part of the group and just listen to them again, let them pour that out. And my experience has been a lot of times that they need they need more than just a small group. They need a counseling session. And our, like our church, we uh, like Tina and I have been called for a couple of uh, marriage situations where a couple wants to talk about their marriage or this other issue. We have dinner with them, talk to them, and then we pass them off to someone who's more qualified to take care of that. Because a lot of that stuff can't be handled in a small group setting. And shouldn't be held in a small, handled in a small group setting, to be honest. It's not for good for the overall health of the group. What are some time management or expectations you would give? Uh, you yourself are bivocational. Uh, your church is growing fairly quickly, and you're also kind of at that church size where uh, you have enough small group leaders that you don't have kind of the time or bandwidth to really spend a lot of time with each one. So what do you recommend for them in, in growing their small groups, but while they've got a day job, while they've got families and and life going on? 
You know, I'm fortunate where I'm self-employed, so I don't, I don't punch a clock, so to speak. My wife, uh, she no longer works in the in the regular work workforce. She uh, she stays home, helps with our kids. She's also, like I said, the other part of me on staff at church, so that's allowed some of that to to be a little bit more flexible for us. But I would say definitely stick to a window of time. It's all possible if you work from eight to five, find a window of time where they're dedicated that that's what you're doing. That's what you're focusing on. I know for me, being in real estate is my regular vocational job. I feel like my phone doesn't stop. So I've had to get intentional about just learning what can wait, what what can't, um, you know, what can be put off for an hour and what doesn't. But I would definitely recommend it. You'll, you'll drive yourself crazy if you don't just carve out a window of time to dedicate yourself to that. What are some of the mistakes that you've seen or made early on that that you feel like are kind of typical landmines, and what would you do to avoid those? You know, I, th- I would say probably our biggest struggle or thing that I, if I could take back is allowing certain people to lead for the sake of just needing a leader, um, especially starting out as a church plant. We joke that if you're breathing, you can greet people. You're if you can strum the key of G, you can play guitar. Like it's except unless you're in Nashville because everybody's a musician. So I, I would say our biggest struggle or I could take back is just allowing certain people to lead. That, that probably shouldn't have, which ultimately comes back to us not having a strong vetting system and training system to realize that, hey, this person, they're willing to open their home, but why are they willing to open up their home? So I would definitely say that's been our biggest mistake slash struggle. What have been some of your biggest successes or wins or just small things that added up a lot? Uh, the, I think one of the biggest successes, and I, you got to give credit where credit is due, uh, a lot like Pastor Rick does. Pastor Jeremy on Sunday mornings, when it's not even in small group season, he's good about pushing groups from the stage and not giving a 10-minute video slide presentation or, or chart as to why you should do this, but just real-life examples of when people are going through different things, you need to be connected to a group. When you're when you're going through different things, you need to have a group of people that you can call on. So with with that being a driving force and, and, and just working hard at it with connecting with people ourselves, we, we typically have about 70% of our church sign up for groups. And then, then there's always that, okay, 70% signed up, who's actually going to be faithful and show up regularly. And we typically, we typically stay about 50% participation through the semester or better. What would you say are some of the habits of a super leader? Like this is, when you see this in a leader, you think this group is set up for success. Almost that, um, that's, that's a tough one. But I would say that someone that you have to almost pull the reins back in. Uh, Pastor Jeremy actually uses that as an example a lot. You know, he wants to work with leaders that he has to pull the uh, the restraints back to slow them down a little bit instead of kicking them in the rear end to get going. I think that's the same way with leaders. People that are excited and wanting to learn, they have all these questions. They're kind of, they should almost be wearing you out to a certain degree. And that's hard to find. What happens if they're starting to wear out? Uh, you know, like I said, you've got a lot going on. Maybe they are starting to burn themselves out. What are some ways that if I'm a small group leader and I am starting to get burnt out, that I can manage that that load a little bit better? I highly recommend taking a semester off. Um, and that may mean to where, you know, I, I've come from the philosophy that you lead 
for the most part, out of your overflow. And if you're empty and kind of draining yourself, you really don't have anything else to give. I know there's different philosophies out there that has proven to be best for me. I know myself, if I'm not staying constantly energized and filled up, I, I don't have nothing to give away. Uh, and that goes from your wife, your kids, your job, everything. But with leaders, I would say the same thing that they would either need to take some take a semester off. We have a, um, two or three different couples in our church that have led a group and then take it. They'll take a semester off and just say, we're out the semester. We want to go be part of a group, which I think is perfectly healthy. Uh, it can get a little bit wild with schedules if people want that want to do this. But some leaders say, hey, I want to lead a group. I also want to be in a group to get fed as well because that keeps them energized but you know as a as a younger busy church plant that can get a little exhausting as well i think that's different for different people ultimately different people have different bandwidths different thresholds and sometimes people just need a break what has been an impactful moment for you in a group whether it's a group that you led a group that you were in just something that really made a difference for you personally if you don't mind my asking yeah, we'd had a couple years ago um, a guy that was just newer to our church who I think he, I feel like he had been a part of our church for a year or less. First time he was in a group, I feel like the third or fourth session in, he just completely unloaded on on us as to the, the things he's been through, uh, things he'd struggled with. And I'm not just talking about a lustful thought. I'm talking deep and personal things that it could derail someone, could derail their life, derail their marriage. And this is a guy that's just being vulnerable and opening up. To me, that's what that's that's why we do all that. It's for the connection, for healing in people. That's why we do it. We don't do it just as another program in our church because it's something else to do. Or not that all of our programs are like that, you know what I mean? But um, that's why we do it for people. That's the stuff that matters the most. At what point would you look at a group and say, hey, this group just isn't working. We need to start all over or do something else like that? It's funny you say that because we ran into that. And I have found most of the time that ends up resolving. Our experience has been so far, some of that resolves itself before we even get a chance to. There, there are unhealthy leaders out there where they want to lead a group. I think sometimes some people just, there's people that don't want to be heard at all. <laughs> then there's people that they just want to hear themselves. And that that's just a real problem in a real situation. I think uh, you just have to be careful with that. And I think you see the fruit of just like anything else, like scripture says with fruit. Uh, when you start seeing certain things happen or low attendance, for me, low attendance is always one of those that I can see that if we're, if we're below 50% most of the time, in a group that that tells you something's going on. Not always, but I think that's a good gauge. That's your first metric that I look at. As a new small group leader, I'm also kind of feeling out my boundaries and my relationship with a small group pastor or point person at my church. What for you specifically, what should that relationship look like or what can it look like? Well, it's a little bit like, like of a coaching type of thing. A leader depends, different personalities have different dynamics. But for us, we always, you know, make it clear to our leaders that we're available. Now, some people don't always take you up on that, but we're available to, to meet with you for coffee, uh, meet with you for lunch, whatever that looks like with your schedule. But we're, our job here is to support you as a leader. We want you to feel comfortable. We want you to feel happy. We want you to feel like you're you're making a difference. So our job is, is in our relationship is to be that for you. How can I tell if I'm overstepping my boundaries? Maybe I'm, I'm asking you too many questions about uh, somebody challenging in my group or emailing you every week, or I 
what happens if I feel like everything's running smoothly? I don't feel like I need anything from you. Do I, should I check in every so often? What does that look like? Uh, Absolutely. You should, even if you feel like everything's going great, you should definitely let your, there should, if everything's going great, there's probably some testimonies that'll come out of it that you should be able to share, which is just another reason to reach out to your point person. Well, that brings up a slightly different topic, but I, maybe great things have been happening in my small group. How do I, how do I go about collecting those, sharing those with you or with the church or should that even be on my mind is, you know, this, what happens in the small group stays in the small group type of situation? No, I, th- I think it's, that's a great, fair question because there is that, there is that thought process and truth to what happens in the small group stays in the small group. But uh, we've had those little testimonies that have come out where we had asked the person that's given those or experienced those breakthroughs or good moments and say, Hey, do you mind if we share this? with the congregation or with a group of people that, and we just leave your name out of it. You, you can even water it down a touch to where, Hey, you know, this person shared what they were going through. They were to get free from that by, by people praying with them, believing with them, that kind of thing. Uh, we always encourage people to give their testimony because that, that sets other people free. So we, uh, we can do that publicly at church. We've done that on Sunday mornings to where pastor Jeremy will throw this in that, something happened to so-and-so, not to so-and-so, but someone had something happen to them this week that we just wanted to share, and it happened through a community group. Well, John, I really appreciate your time and and flexibility and jumping on this call with us. What is the one piece of advice that you would give a new small group leader? Uh, Don't get frustrated too soon. Uh, It can be intimidating. You know, the biggest question I've seen a lot of small group leaders ask when they start, especially if they haven't done it before, what do I do if nobody signs up for my group or wants to be in my group or doesn't show up? Um, those are those are not fun moments, but I encourage you to just keep going. Get connected with someone who has been a small group leader before, whether it's your point person, another leader at the church, and just have them help you as long and encourage you as to what works, what doesn't. And um, like I said before, there's different things that work for different people. Your skill set might be a little different and it may not look exactly like the next leader. But the point is to just keep going, keep pressing in and, and just trust. Yeah, I've been in small groups. I've led small groups before where one week literally no one showed up, maybe even two weeks in a row. And then the very next week we'll have like 20 people show up <laughs> and there's only yeah. 15 in our small group. Uh, so I think uh, for me personally, my personality is just like, uh, you know, whatever, I'll roll with it. My wife is like, oh, why are we doing this? Nobody wants to come. <laughs> like, And then the yeah. next week, oh, there's too many people. Why are we doing this? <laughs> so, no, I heard... I had heard someone say last week that was it's great wisdom is to look at the movie, not just the photo. You can't look at just the photo of it and, and base the whole, you know, base everything on that. You've got to look at the full movie. Yeah, I love that analogy. I, one of one of the things I share with people is to treat it as though it's a movie because the, one of the main differences between a movie and real life, and this is kind of a sad thing that it is a difference is people don't talk over each other in movies. Only one person talks at a time. And I know, I know it's like, Oh, I I should do that. (laughs) And I think that's (laughs) kind of the key to small groups is being a good listener, acting as a, whoever is speaking 
has those lines on purpose and listening to them genuinely. Absolutely. All right, John, thanks again for your time. And uh, what's the name of your church? How can people find your church if they're living in the Spring Hill area? Sure. We are in Spring Hill, Tennessee, uh, just over the Williamson County line on the Murray side of Spring Hill. And our, our website is ChristChapel.live. The name of our church is Christ Chapel. It's pretty easy to find. All right. Thanks again, John, and have a great week. Thank you, sir. Jason Bantoff here, Group Talk Producer, and I just want to say thank you for tuning into this special five-part series, How to Be a Small Group Leader. If this series impacted you in any way, check out our other podcast from the Small Group Network, Inside Saddleback with Steve Gladen, Here to There with Carolyn Takena, Leadership Journey with Bill Search, and Reading Lens with Nick Lindsay. These release every Wednesday, so don't miss them. Also, are you looking for community with other small group point people like yourself? Join our Facebook group. This group has over 7,000 people who want to share and learn about what they're doing in small group ministry. Strengthen your group's ministry today by going to Facebook and typing in the search bar, Small Group Network. Just select Join the Group and we'll get you connected to a whole new community. Lastly, make sure you visit smallgroupnetwork.com for our free resources and blog. Thank you for listening. <laughs>